You guys ready to dive into the word? Yeah? Beautiful. Let's do it. Um, Tonight, we're continuing a sermon series on relationships called Blink Me. Uh, Two weeks ago was Friend Me. Pastor J.O. preached on what it means to be a good friend. Um, Last week was Hate Me. Pastor Connor preached on uh, just how to love an enemy, how to love someone that's not very lovable, and what the Bible says about it, not what our opinions or our feelings say about it. Amen? It's imp- it, listen, it's important. It's a, he got us warmed up last, last week, and, and by the end of it, everybody's saying amen, but it's so important, you guys, to love your enemy. And to prefer them and to pray for them and to love them the way that God would love them, the, God, the way that God loves them. And so tonight we're talking about see me, talking about see me. And the, the topic or the, the, the subtitle, if you will, is empathy, compassion, and inconvenient love. Empathy, compassion, and inconvenient love. We're going to be uh, in Luke chapter 10 tonight. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. This is a beautiful passage of scripture that has radically impacted my life for the past year. And uh, I'm really looking forward to preaching out of it because it's done a number on me. Um, In this passage... There's a specialist in the law that approaches Jesus. And he approaches Jesus, almighty God, not necessarily knowing who he is. He's just trying to test him. Basically, just a little bit of a paraphrased version. He says, hey, Jesus, pop quiz. What must I do to get into heaven? And uh, I love this. Jesus says... Well, what does the law say, and what's your interpretation? He puts it right back on this zealous specialist in the law. And without a blink, the law, um, the, the, the specialist says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Bam, verbatim, knows the law. And... Uh, and that's good stuff, right? And uh, Jesus says, good job. You passed the pop quiz. <laughs> and uh, the Bible says that the lawyer, seeking to justify himself, says, but Jesus, who's my neighbor? <laughs> who's, who's my neighbor? It's a good question, especially when you don't want to love everyone. Especially when there's people, like we talked about last week, that aren't necessarily on your nice list. And so Jesus begins to tell a story in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. It says this. We don't have it? Okay. If you want to turn, if you don't have a Bible, you can read off of your neighbors. 
says this in verse 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, as bad news, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Jesus asked. The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Would you pray with me as we jump into this? Jesus, God, we need you. Lord, I pray right now for myself, for every person in this room. Lord, that we would not allow this to be just a normal night, but we would have the faith to believe that in your presence, there's transformation in your presence. You can mold us and shape us into more full, more thriving, more holy, more righteous individuals that reflect your nature and impact the world around us. God, without you, we're nothing. We need you so desperately. And so we're coming to you right now, Jesus believing that even as You deliver this word through me, God, I pray, Lord, that I would be changed, that every person in this room would look more like you by the time we walk out those front doors in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, one more time, can we thank the worship team? Man, I just, that was was a brand new song tonight, by the way, that second one. And, and Omar's wife wrote it. Oh, my goodness. Such a beautiful song. Such a beautiful song. I was, um, I was on my way home from church a couple months ago. And it was on Appleway and 95. And I, uh, there was one car in front of me. It was a truck. And I saw on the truck, uh, on the back of it, it had this bumper sticker. I love bumper stickers, most of them. Eh, some of them. Uh, and and <laughs> the bumper sticker on this truck said this. Yes, this is my truck. No, I'm not helping you move. <laughs> Craig's in the middle of moving right now. If you've got a truck and just shameless plug, talk to him afterwards. My wife and I are test driving a truck, and this is, this, is, this is one of the things that you have to really consider. How many truck owners do we have in the room? Come on. It's North Idaho. That's right. So, so you know that when you buy a truck, you're, you're whoa. You, when you buy a truck, you are signing up 
for more than just helping yourself out, okay? When you buy a truck, it becomes an asset and a resource for your entire friend group. You know, your friends come up to you, congratulations, great buy, I'm glad that we've got a resource for the community, you know? Um, Speculating, you know, when that guy bought that truck, I think that that it's difficult for anybody to do anything outside of just for themselves when their original reason for buying it or for obtaining it was just for selfish reasons. It's tough to actually go beyond yourself when your vision only includes you. What we're talking about tonight is empathy and compassion. And this is the harsh realization is that when we give our lives to Jesus, this is a good thing, by the way, but when we give our lives to Jesus, we actually don't own our lives anymore. And see, Jesus brings us resources. He brings us spiritual fulfillment and, 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 and life and life abundantly and, and life with him is better than anything else. But I think that sometimes when we obtain salvation and when we obtain sanctification, the process of Jesus continuing to refine us through this life, sometimes what we obtain, we only have vision for ourselves with. But the thing is, is that God has given us love and compassion and empathy for more than just ourselves. We need to have a vision that's beyond just us. When God gives us spiritual resources, we need to be able to recognize that because we are now his resource, he's used us, he's using us as a tool. Did you know tonight that when you enter the kingdom of God, you're not a trophy, you're a tool. You're not a decoration that holds up a wall. You're called to get into the game. And that God wants to use you, and as he shapes you and as he refines you, I just think about a tool that needs to be sharpened, right? But why does it need to be sharpened if it's never used for anything? You see, God has given you gifts. Empathy is one of the things that we're called to as Christians, and he wants to fill us with these things. And I think that sometimes we chalk up to our degree of empathy in our lives to our personality. I'm just not that empathetic. I just don't, I have a, it's just awkward for me to like have deep conversation or when someone's crying, I just want to leave the room or whatever it might be. But the fact of the matter is, is that we actually don't get off that easy. We don't. And the people that are practicing empathy on a regular basis and it maybe comes really easy to you, I want to encourage you to even allow the Holy Spirit, instead of, instead of maybe saying yeah and a, yes and amen for, for somebody else tonight, because maybe you, you're stronger in that area, I believe that God wants to show something to every single per- person in this room tonight. God has an incredible vision for your life, and he has also an incredible vision for the resources that he gives you. And his vision for those resources, those spiritual resources, are more than just for you. 
And so it's important to realize that when God gives you something, it's not about your vision for what he gives you. It's about his vision for what he gives you. Amen? Amen? So as, as we go into this, um, it's, it's important to realize two things. And I'm not sure if, if we're going to actually have slides tonight. So if you're taking notes, it's, it's like, you, you guys ever been to, <laughs> I was just going to ask you if you've ever been to a club. Don't answer that. And... Um, <laughs> But there's like, there's like the fast track section, right, where like you have a table or whatever it is and you can just get in faster. I heard that when you take notes, it's like that with heaven. It's crazy. Um, I'm working on my dad jokes early. Okay, here we go. First one is this. God's plan for empathy is to bridge your real resources with people's real needs. God's plan for empathy, and he's given this gift to every person in here, to empathize, to relate with, to to come alongside friends, family members, strangers, whoever it might be. We're called to a place of compassion in our hearts, but God's plan for empathy is one to bridge your real resources with others' real needs. And two, God's plan for empathy is for you to have a vision for your virtue beyond yourself. Do you ever notice that empathy and compassion takes like something from you? It takes a sacrifice for you to come out of your way, to go, to go out of your way to meet someone's emotional state and their emotional need. It takes a sacrifice. It is inconvenient love, but it's the very love that we're called to. We see in the story this man was beaten and he was robbed. He was on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was just going somewhere. And he encountered some really bad news, left for dead. And I think it's important that we ask ourselves the question tonight, who is that man by the side of the road? And I want to I give us a, a little bit of a perspective when it comes to this story and when it comes to the opportunities that we have for empathy. So who is this man? Maybe, maybe this man in your life is somebody whose um, husband or wife passes away. The lo- is someone that's encountered the loss of a mother or a father, a sibling, somebody that's faced with divorce, somebody um, who's blindsided by adultery from their spouse, somebody that's going through bankruptcy, a serious sickness, suicide, somebody that's been abused or raped or molested, somebody that's encountered a miscarriage or their child dies, someone that's bound up in addiction or codependency. Can you think of anyone in your life that maybe relates with one of those things? You guys, and, and, and every person in this room knows this. Because everybody's been through stuff. 
But there are people who are going through deep, deep pain and deep hurt. And one of the hardest things when you're on the side of the road is watching life go by. One of the hardest things is to see somebody without the capacity for empathy on their way past you and life just seems to pass you by and you're broken and you're hurting. These are the people that are in our lives and no matter how much of a manly man you are or no matter how emotional of a person you are, you're still called to have a heart of empathy and compassion for the people around you. I've come to the realization that the only thing that disappears when we avoid the truth is our spine. The only thing that, that disappears when we try to avoid seeing that person on the side of the road is not the issue. We just end up creating another issue. Because the more people that we pass up, the easier it gets to pretend like we never saw them in the first place. This is an issue I think that we might even deal with in corporate gatherings where we're all coming in. Think about how many stories are in this room right now. I can guarantee you there's a hundred opportunities for you to have empathy with someone just right here in this room, 100 plus. So we gotta recognize that we can't just close our eyes, click our heels, and wish away our messy opportunity to love somebody. We have to recognize that God's called us to the, to the messy opportunity. So, so we gotta ask the question now, who is it the per, that passed this man by? And for the humble, spiritual people in the room, they're like, well, that's me, right? Well, let's look at this. I think it's important to, to, to maybe put ourselves in the shoes of the priest or the Levite that passed this man by. Think about it. This man's dying. What's going through their heads? Speculating. This is the priest walking or, or riding by. I'm pretty sure he's not a Jew, but if I... If I I'm glad I didn't get a, look, get a good look at him. If I, if I just keep looking straight, if I just keep looking ahead, I, 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 I think he was a Jew. I'll just tell people that I didn't see him. That was close, though. If I, if I would have recognized that he was a Jew, I would have had to get off my uh, donkey <laughs> and help him out. I'd have, I'd have had to get messy for a minute, and I've got a lunch appointment in Jerusalem, so I'm, I'm really glad that I don't have to stop. What was Levi thinking? Well, if that idiot wasn't traveling alone, <laughs> think about it. The Levite's traveling alone, but the church is filled with hypocrisy, religion, just sets you up for hypocrisy. If he wasn't traveling alone, he, he would be just fine. What else? 
Well, I'm not supposed to cast my pearls before swine, and I don't know if he'd ever repay me. What else? He got himself into this mess. He can get himself out. What else? Yes, this is my truck. No, I'm not going to help you move. When God gives you good health, strong relationships, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, discernment, and insight, when he fills you full of love, you can't have a bumper sticker on the back of that stuff. Yes, this is my gifting. No, I'm not going to help you move. Yes, this is what I'm called to. (laughs) No, I'm not willing to do it. The one passing him by is me. You know, I, I, I think if I can narrow it down, the biggest battle that I've got when it comes to Empathy is the battle of self-promotion. And I'm going to tell you why. Those bound by a self-promoting spirit are ungrateful and always are behind where they need to be. A self-promoting spirit always wishes that it was up there. Think about the priest and the Levite as they're, as they're going on their way. It was all about obtaining Status and being a, a symbol of these guys were teachers of the Torah, the very law that they were breaking. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? The priest and the Levite in this story are asking that question. Who's who's my neighbor? That doesn't look like my neighbor. The greatest enemies of self-promotion are gratitude and generosity. I want to kind of sit on this for a minute. Gratitude and generosity just mess up your selfishness. They really do. It's really awesome. This is why uh, praise is so stinking important if listen if you don't if you don't got like a good praise muscle in you you got to work that baby you do you really do like if you can't really get out of your selfishness and just give God some praise I'm telling you every time it's gonna stay away from the zone if you can't give God some praise Just in any given situation, you might be pocketing some glory, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. You're going to be fighting with a spirit of self-promotion. If you're not careful, if you, if you, when you fight with a spirit of, or when you're bound by a spirit of self-promotion, you end up pocketing God's glory. Like, It's mostly God, but it's 
right? I mean, it's pretty cool. My gift, my truck. But you gotta realize that God has given you every good thing that you have and everything that you like about yourself is from him. Every, everything you like about yourself and everything that you wish that you were, that you will become as long as you stay in him, it's all him. You are, without God, poor, miserable, wretched, blind, naked, or naked, as our senior pastor likes to say. <laughs> Listen, we're nothing without Jesus. And we can say that, but can we, can we just like let that sink in for a minute? Our gifts are just that. They were given. And in order for that to happen, there needs to be a giver. And that giver is God. And that giver has a vision for what he's given you. What do gratitude and generosity do? They fill you up and they turn your focus outward. They fill you up and they turn your focus outward. When you're, when you're just grateful, how many of you know somebody that's just always grateful? 10 people, my goodness. <laughs> I rest my case. Like, no, seriously, like, how, how awesome would it be if we were people that were just known for being grateful all the time? Here's, here's the reality is that if, if, our, if our mind is so self-focused, first of all, it's impossible. We'll get to that in a minute. If our mind is so focused on ourselves, it ends up being impossible to empathize because you're never seeing beyond you. You have an opportunity in every conversation to ask yourself, what is this person going through? God, show me your love for them. What is it that you want to say to them? How is it that you want to pour your love and your compassion through me? So far, I'm just not built like that. I hang around winners, not losers. I only, I only hang out with people with a winner mentality. That's fine as long as you're okay with that being a loser mentality. Because the fact is, is that the kingdom of God involves the losers, involves the people that are losing their battles right now. It involves the people that are in the dirt. It involves the people that are broken on the side of the road. You can't be empathetic when you're on empty. And so, so here's... I almost said that too soon. I, I want to, let me go back for a minute and set this up for, for you. God has gifted you, but your gifts thrive when you're on overflow mode. Okay, what, what I mean when I say that is when you're spending time in the presence of God and you're getting your identity and your affirmation and your love from God, what ends up happening is that your gifts just start blossoming and coming into color and flourishing and, and, and it's incredible. But when you're on empty, when you don't have really anything to give, 
Good luck being empathetic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little bit of an example of what an empty empathizer looks like. Oh man, y'all get through it. Yeah, I know. Like, I just wanted to tell you that my mom died. But when you're empty, you don't have anything to empathize with. with. You don't have anything to pour out. What's, what's another um, example of empty em- empathizing? How, how about this one? Oh, I've been through worse. How about this one? You know, overflow doesn't always mean you you talk a lot. In empathy, being a good friend and empathizing with somebody that's broken and hurting sometimes just looks like listening. So another version of empty empathism, empathism, (laughs) I don't know, it's a word now. But another, another, my goodness, just the corners are, it's like, it's, a battleground over there. Another, another way to um, empathize with a friend is to allow them to do most of the talking. And you don't need to make things necessarily better. Don't like put that pressure on yourself. But when you, when you are full of the Holy Spirit and you're just on overflow, what it looks like is really unique to every situation. It really is. Because people grieve. There's not one person, just like your fingerprint, there's not one person that grieves the same way. It's just the way that we're built. You're going to grieve differently than anyone else, which means that we need to be able to empathize uniquely with every situation. In order for that to happen, we need to be full. Omar, you want to jump back up here? And You know, we, we talked about what the man on the side of the road looks like and what the priest and the Levite look like. And this, what I've been talking about is how I've pretty much interpreted this scripture my entire life, up until about a year ago. I heard a sermon, and it completely shifted my my focus and my mentality when it came to this story. You see, this is, this is not just a story of empathy. This is a story of the gospel. You see, the person on the side of the road is you. The person on the side of the road is me. If you, if you look at the scripture, the Bible says that the man was half dead. Think about how that ties in with just the state of humanity. Think about how that ties in. You're you're alive on the inside, or you're alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. You're just kind of half dead going through life before you encounter Jesus. And then think about the priest and the Levite. What what are they? What do they represent? These These are teachers, upholders, and enforcers of the law. 
which is to say that the law can't save you. The law will just pass you by and probably mow over the top of you. You see, the law before Jesus came is what killed you. It's what sentenced you to eternity without Jesus. But then the good Samaritan came. And I love this. I love this correlation because Jesus likens himself to the people that the Jews pretty much hate the most. It's the Samaritans. These guys did not get along with each other. The Jews really despised Samaria, completely avoided it. But Jesus starts talking about Samaria to reveal Samaria's in this lawyer's heart that need adjusting. He likens himself to the good Samaritan. And this is, I love this. Eight chapters later in Luke chapter 18, a, a rich young ruler, zealous as all get out, comes up to Jesus very similarly to this. He says, good teacher, what do I do, gotta do to get into the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good. That's God. I love how this story is called the Good Samaritan. It's just like another nudge, another hint. You're not the Good Samaritan. No matter how hard you try, you're not the rescuer. But this is what's crazy is that the, the Samaritan comes down from his high place. He picks up this man and he trades places with him. He takes him to the church, I mean the inn. He, he brings him to this place. Well, think, think about the inn for a minute. Why were inns even there along the side of the road? Why were they being invented? It's because there were robbers on the road. People were going through life and they were getting beat up. They needed a place to recover. They needed a place to rest. They needed shelter. They needed protection. Think about the church. You see, Jesus brings... This man to the inn and he, he pays the innkeeper. And I love this. He says, here's, here's what you need for the trouble and if there's anything more later, I'm coming back and I'm good for it. Jesus is coming back. And he's good for it. This is what's so cool is that your wounds before you met Jesus, before you encountered him, before you gave your life, the wounds that were inflicted on you, he's paid for those. But he also said, hey, whatever's in the future, I'm good for that too. I'm coming back. Come on, there's hope in that. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. So who's the innkeeper? Well, it's the people that have answered the call. It's the people that have said, 
yes to the ministry of partnering in reconciliation with Jesus. Jesus brings you broken people all the time, but it's not until you take on the identity of the innkeeper that you really begin to make a difference. You see, you're not supposed to just stay broken. After you heal, you're not just supposed to mulch off of the innkeeper. Start another inn. Get, get involved with the inn. There's broken people out there. You're never going to have enough space for the broken people. We need you in this fight. 